So here we are, <clears throat> you know, through all the ups and downs uh, that we, we have gone through this year. But there's one thing that's pretty clear from the Word of God is that, that God is faithful and that we really have nothing to fear because His Word is ever true. I remember this past year, like, even as a church, and not many of us may not, may not have really followed fully, but it was nothing short of a miracle for our church, not embrace, not, not but SPC as a whole to even get refinancing. We were just so worried about, oh, you know, with the, the, it's the worst time to refinance, but um, I don't know how that was going to take place, and yet, you know, the Lord has provided as we are able to continue worshiping here. So, you know, when you think about all these ups and downs that we have gone through, uh, we realize that God has been really faithful to us. God has loved us so much. Um, so in this passage that we are going to be looking at, uh, there's something that we have to kind of go through together, uh, just slow down a little bit and think about uh, what it's saying. Um, so, you know, uh, my wife's uh, Grace's uh, the favorite, I think, game show is Wheel of Fortune. You guys all know, right? The, I, I don't know. I've never met anyone who loves the, 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 sh the show Wheel of Fortune, right? And um, so, you know, the whole thing is, as you know, and, uh, you like, look at the, the missing, like the consonants and the vowels, right? And then you, you try to figure out the, the, the phrases or the words, right, that's on, on, the, on the screen. Um, See, when you look at something that is familiar, then your brain tends to fill in the, in, the, in the alphabets or the words, even though they are not really there. For example, let me just give you an example. Squid blank on Netflix, what comes to mind? Game, right? It, you don't have to see it because of the, the words that are clearly associated with it right there. Immediately, your brain makes a connection. Oh, squid game on Netflix. Amazon blank day, what comes to mind? Prime day. Prime day. Right. Oh, man, you guys great. Yeah, you guys are really uh, uh, up today. I was afraid that you guys <laughs> just fall asleep. Uh, but yeah, see, uh, our brain expects it to be a certain way. So it has a, our brain has a really hard time accepting it when it's something that is out of the ordinary or something that is not really expected. Then we are like, huh, what? Then we, we, get, caught, uh, we get caught off guard. When we hear or see something familiar, our brain immediately makes a connection with what's really in our memory bank, right, in our brain. That's why when we read a passage like this, because it sounds familiar to us, we don't really look carefully enough and assume that we already know what's there, what it's saying. And that would be a mistake. We need to slow down and consider the passage carefully. Otherwise, we may actually remember this passage incorrectly, thinking that I already know this, and then kind of move on. Or worse, or, 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 or not remember it at all, because it's, already, it's so familiar. So we don't think twice about this. And here are three spots in this passage that may surprise you. Or maybe that's a little different. It's out of the ordinary. And the first part is loving God's, the first point uh, is loving God's people in verse 2. It says, by this, we know that we love the children of God when we love God and obey his commandments. 
It seems to be backwards, if you think about it, because we are familiar with verse 1. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God, and everyone who loves the Father loves whoever has been born of him. If you love God, then you love God's people. That's something that we are familiar with. If you love the Father, then you will love the children of God. And because of this familiarity, we quickly go to the next verse without thinking twice about this or notice the reverse kind of order of this verse. We assume that it is saying the same thing and move on. If we love the Father, if we love God, then we would love the people of God. But here, it is saying that we love the, uh, the people of God when we love God. The order is different. So it may be getting at the same point, but the order is different. Now, the first John, throughout first John, there are three ideas that are connected together, and that is obedience, love, and faith. And that's what we see in this passage. They're closely uh, connected together. And John's thought commented that this letter, John, 1 John's main idea is assurance. Assurance. Not, uh, not how, how do we get get saved, but rather it is how do we know that we are truly Christian? How do we know? Is it your gut feeling? It's just like, you know, I recite this or I've heard of this, so I already know I'm a Christian. How do you know that you are genuinely a Christian? Does having, uh, just attending church all your life, does that make you a Christian? How do you know? He says that there are signs that tell us that we are headed in the right direction. Now, let's say that you are driving to get to, to New York. As you're on a highway, you're driving. And then, and then as you are driving, thinking that you are going to New York, and when you see the sign, welcome to Richmond, obviously you know that the sign tells you that you are not in, heading in the right direction. So what are the signs? Here, there are three components that there is a theological, right? Meaning, what do you believe about the, the, the sign? The first sign is theological, right? What do you believe about the Son of God? And also, the second sign that you are truly, uh, be, you truly belong to God or being born of God is moral. Meaning, like, do you obey the command of God, commandments of God? If you're a Christian, that you are to obey the commandments of God and also the social aspect of it. Do you love? Do you love the people of God? Right? So throughout 1 John, these three uh, you know, intermingle, right? The theological, uh, 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 theological understanding, moral, and social aspect. These things kind of just tell us if we are really headed in the right direction, or we are really truly saved. Right. Here it says, so if you love the Father, then you would love 
his children. Right? And if you love the, and, and if you love the children, then you would love the father. Let's just say, just for example, um, I tell James, right? I tell James, say, man, I love you, man. I, you know, you know just, I, as a brother, I love you. After saying to him, but that if I just go and push Jameson around, is my claim genuine, right? I'm telling the father that I love him, but then if I'm just not really loving uh, his, his children, I'm not really loving him, right? Because to him, nothing matters more than the welfare of his, you know, his family. He's a family guy, right? And so even if I claim to love him, but if I am not loving on his children, then I'm not really loving the father, right? Verse 2 says, you love the children when you love the father. I mean, it goes both directions. You know, if you truly care about children, that you would want to minister to their, uh, to their parents. Like, you know, a lot of like children's, you know, ministry pastors, as they minister to the, the, the children, they also take time, ideally, they take time to minister to the parents, you know, just to communicate with them, right? Because, because they really care about the, the children, if they really truly care about the children, that they would really care about the parents, their welfare, how they are doing. So what this verse is saying is that we are not really loving, loving God's people. I mean, think of our church people, for example. If we do not obey God, if we do not love God and if we do not obey his commandments, then we are not really loving God's people. And here it says, we know this. By this, we know, right? It's not a gut feeling or guessing or wondering. And here, love is a, in 1 John, is more of a moral commitment, right, rather than a feeling. And all these commands about forgiving, praying, bearing one another's burdens are not possible unless we love God first and obey him. So when we obey the Father first, when we obey the Father, that's, when we get to love his people. And some of us say, I still don't see the difference. It's, just, it's just saying the same thing. Let me make it clearer. There are a lot of people out there, right? And not embrace, not people here, right? But there are people out there may have children, family members, or people that are really, that they are close to. And these people would say, if you love me, that you would accept me as who I am. And you would hear that, especially from those you know, seeking equity in gender identity, right? I was born this way. You would hear that kind of, uh, you, you would hear that, right? If you love me, you would accept me just as I am, right? Somebody maybe who may be coming out of the closet or whatnot, right? And you would hear that. In other words, what they are saying is, if you don't accept me as I am, that you don't really love me. If you truly love me, that you would accept me as just as I am. And there are churches that believe 
that they love them by accepting them as they are. But verse 2 says otherwise. You love the children of God when you obey or when you love God and obey his commandments. And his commandments are clear in this regard. If you do not obey God and what it says in the scriptures, then you cannot say that you love the people of God. If somebody comes along and says, hey, this is me, okay? accept me as I am, right? then that's how you love me. But the scripture makes it clear. You, you, we love the children of God when we love God first and obey his commandments. That's why you know, oftentimes doing church discipline is very difficult because it can, it, 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 it definitely it can really just uh, run the risk of fracturing the relationship that you have with that, the member. But when the member uh, refused to, you know, just correct his ways and continues down a sinful way, the church has to step in and say, hey, brother, hey, sister, what you're doing is not right. And they refuse to listen. If they say, well, if you love me, you will accept me just the way I am. It's okay for me to just live with my, you know, partner or, you know, my girlfriend, boyfriend, what have you, right? It's okay. I, you should love me just as I am. We say, no, because the commandments of God is clear. The loving thing to do is to correct their error in obedience to his commandments. I don't want our relationship to sour over this. It's not a good reason to avoid it or try to redefine what love is. We cannot separate the love for other people from love for God and his commandments. You understand? We love the people of God when we obey the Father, when we love him and therefore obey his commandments first. That's how we love the people of God, not the other way around. I love you so much that I am willing to disobey what God, what the scripture says. And that's how much I love you. That is not love, according to scriptures. Why? Because loving someone means exhorting that person to follow Christ in every aspect of his or her life. Right. Loving God and loving people is costly. It's never an easy thing. You know what? You know what loving God's people is about? It's about treasuring God and holding him in such a high regard that people will see that and that they would also, in turn, treasure God and hold him in high regard as well. That's what loving God's people is about. You first love Father. You love God with all your heart, everything that you have. And you obey 
His commandments, what He says. And as you treasure and hold Him in such a high regard, and then people of God will see that. I want that. I see that He or she loves Him, loves God so much. And as you do so, you cannot help but to really love other people. This world is already confused. It keeps redefining what love is. So it keeps redefining what love is. And before we know it, I think, you know, maybe not too, not too uh, far distant future, maybe like uh, someone who is in their 50s claiming that I truly love this minor. And it will come around to say, that is acceptable. I mean, th- this world keeps redefining what love is, right? And perverting what is true. Do not succumb to the pressure and accept the world's definition of love of other people. Because it is only when we obey the Father and His commands that we love the children of God. We don't say, I love you, so I ain't going to bend the rule on this. What the Bible says, I'm going to sidestep it because I love you so much. That does not work. That's not what the scripture says. We love God's people when we love the Father and obey his commandments. So there, that's the first point that I wanted, uh, just, I wanted us to kind of think about. And the second point, uh, the second surprise also comes here in verse 3. It says, for this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments. Well, that, that part is very, very familiar to us. We know that, right? That when we love, if you really love God, that means we would keep his commandments. That's how we know that we love him. Not through our lips, not reciting, not regurgitating what you have heard in the past, but when you actually obey what the word of God says, that's how we know that there is, that we love God. But the second part, it says, and his commandments are not burdensome. What? Really? It seems to be unrealistic. And this part may have raised some eyebrows. Really? His commandments are not burdensome? Are you kidding me? How do we reconcile this verse with what, even what Paul describes in Romans chapter 7, where he seems to struggle with the weight of the law? You know, Romans chapter 7, verse 18 and 19, June hit it. Yeah. For I know that nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh, for I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to, to carry it out. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing, right? I mean, Paul is saying, I struggle with this. And yet here, John says his commandments are not burdensome. What? Because Paul seems to be saying the, the opposite. And it may just be the experience of us all, right? Try to live in obedience to God. And how many of us can say, it's a piece of cake. Ah, it is so easy. It's, it's a second nature to me. Uh, it's loving God, just obeying God is easy. How many of us can confidently just raise your hand, 
except for Pastor Jay, right? Who, how many of us will say that it is so easy, right? What Paul is saying in Romans chapter 7 is a residual, a residual uh, sinful nature in us that is still struggling to keep up with the law of God. Because once we are in Christ, now we have uh, the, the new nature in us through the Spirit, but also there is still remaining effect or the sinful nature that hasn't been completely destroyed. So there is a war that's waging. There's still just this fierce battle that's happening in our hearts. So that's what he's referring to. Here, John says, his commandments are not burdensome. Not because the commandments are, not because the commandments themselves are light or easy to obey, but as John explains in verse 4, because of the new birth, for every, verse 4 it says, for everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world because of the enablement by the Holy Spirit. The one born of God by faith is enabled by the Holy Spirit to obey. It's not on our own. It's just like try to just milk it and try to just like squeeze every ounce of our being to just try to obey God. No, because the Holy Spirit gives us the, 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 the new power, not from within, but from without. The Holy Spirit will empower us to follow him. Elsewhere in the scriptures, right? Jesus says in Matthew chapter eleven thirty 30, that his yoke is easy and his burden light. So here is something that we have to understand, and that is, Listen to me. Though our obedience to his commandments will not be and may never be perfect, but our obedience to him coming from the sincerity of our heart for the glory of God is truly good and pleasing to God. This is the difference. We will never achieve the perfect obedience right? But when our hearts are in the right place, I want to honor God. I love him. So I want to just do my best. I, I want to just please him. I want to obey him. And, and when we obey out of our sincere heart, then that obedience itself is truly good. And it is pleasing to the Father. And that's a difference. We have to understand that God is not only the judge, but also a loving father. You know, because as we grow up in our, I don't know, I have no idea what kind of family uh, background that you came from and what kind of interaction you had with your father, right? But we have this picture of God somehow as a hard-to-please, very stern figure ready to strike us down, ready to condemn us when we mess up, right? But Scripture paints a picture of, uh, of a God who loves us and is pleased when we obey him. 1 John chapter 3, verse 22 says this. I don't know if you have that on the screen. Yeah. And whatever we ask, we receive from him 
because we keep his commandments and do what pleases him. When we keep his commandments, it pleases the Father because he is our Father. Our good works may not be perfect, but they are truly good in the eyes of, the, in the, in the eyes of God. I mean, what kind of father would condemn, the ch- condemn his children when they do things out of their love for the father? Even they may not be perfect, right? Say, say uh, you, have, you, have, you have kids, and then your will and what you want is, you know, your, the yard is to be clean, right? And so your kids say, not just like pressuring them, but, you know, they say, Dad, I care about you, I love you, so I'm going to go out there and just, you know, mow the lawn, right? They do that, go out there for like an hour or whatever, and work on it, come back. And you see like there's a little spots here and there that's like missing. It's like, oh, okay, he missed that spot. Would you, as a father, would you say, man, son, you did wrong. This is wrong for you. I mean, I'm so not happy with what you've done. No. That would be a really messed up father, right? Say, good job, son, right? And maybe we can do better next time. That would be the more proper response from a father. Because a father loves his children. When the children do things out of willing heart, it pleases the father. If earthly fathers are like that, how much more when our heavenly father, when he looks at us, and with our feeble efforts, still willingly obey him and do things that it's called for, we try to follow him. Would he condemn us? Oh, that's just not good enough. He just folds his arms and, uh-uh, that's, that's only like 70% of what I want from you. Not good enough. No. It pleases him, our good works. Our Father in heaven would be pleased with our willing obedience. Man, God's commandment, is this obeying, God, uh, obeying God's commandment, it is so burdensome, it is so hard, it is so taxing. If you say that, if that mindset, right, without understanding our relationship with the Father, then it speaks to our level of love for God more than it speaks to the character of God. Does that make sense? When we start just complaining about, man, his commandments are burdensome, it's just, Man, I can't believe this. He's asking me to do all these things. I hate it. I don't want it. That speaks more to the level of your love for God than it speaks to the character of God. Right? Because if you truly understand that the Father in heaven truly loves us, that we will not say that. We will say, Father, here I am. I am not perfect, but I want to follow you. I want to love you. So you follow and you obey. And know that you realize that God, God is pleased with your obedience. If we understand that, empowered by the Holy Spirit, that we obey God because we love him, then they are not burdensome. 
because it's coming from a place of trust and love. That's why John here says, and his commandments are not burdensome because he knows there's a father that he loves the father. He loves God so much, right? So his commandments, when he give, offers himself, when he obeys him, he knows that there is a pleasure that God has for him. He understood that. Despite our weaknesses, when we obey God willingly, God is pleased with you. God is pleased with us. However, however feeble it may seem, our prayer life, our repentance, do you think that our repentance is truly so like 100% all the time? That is like, whoa, okay, your prayer was 100% right on, or your repentance was like, you're so right on. Wow, you repented, and then so like, you're not going to do this again ever, right? So I'm so pleased with you. Do you think that's ever happened? When was the last time you felt like you, you repented, and then at a later time, you realized, gosh, I messed up, I blew it again. So you just find yourself repenting over and confessing your sins over again. Do you think what we uh, give to God would ever be 100% acceptable to God? No. But, but, when we sincerely, out of our sincere heart, obey him, follow him, however flawed, however imperfect it may seem, our prayers, repent, what have you, our serving, all of these things, God is pleased. God takes pleasure when we obey him willingly. So that's the second part. When John says his commandments are not burdensome, that's what it means. We have to distinguish. He's not talking about perfection of our obedience, but a heart that comes from loving him and knowing that he is our loving father, that he takes pleasure in our obedience. And the last point is verse 4, right? That our faith is the victory. It says, for everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Whoa, that kind of sounds kind of over over the top, doesn't it? I mean, if it says, and this is the victory that has overcome the world, Jesus Christ, or the the resurrection of Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit, that makes total sense, right? It makes much more sense because the God, right, this incredible, the power of God, the resurrection power, all these things has overcome the world. That sounds definitely, yeah, I can go with that. But our faith? Here it says, this is a victory that has overcome the world. Our faith, the faith that you and I have, has overcome the world? What? That is the victory that has overcome the world? How how is that even possible? First of all, the world here, we are not talking about the people. Like, you know, John 3.16, God so loved the world. Obviously, there, the world means the people, right? Or the created world. But here, in the, the, the world here, it means the world or the realm of sin. 
which is controlled by Satan and the enemy, and organized against God and the righteousness of God. It's the, the evil thing, this realm, right, that is against God. And there's a lot of pressure from the world. But this scripture says we can be overcomers. We can, we can overcome this. You know, in verses 4 and 5, John uses the word overcome or victory four times. In two verses, he uses these words four times. Some Christians have this defeatist mindset. Oh, I am no good, right? I can't obey God, right? I can't do anything right. And I give in to sin way too easily, right? Woe is me. But whew, good thing that God actually took me in. Wow, I barely made it into heaven, right? Some Christians have that kind of defeatist mindset. But that is not the biblical view of us. Romans 8, verse 37 says this. If you have it, I think we should have it. No? Yeah. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. And that's who we are. Regardless of how we feel, that's what the scripture the veracity of God's word, it says that we are more than conquerors through him who loved us and enables us. And you have to understand that John says this at a time when the Roman Empire, Empire ruled the world. I mean, the Romans, they are the conquerors, right? They were with the mighty army that they had. They just were victorious everywhere they went. Even Palestine, you know, in Jerusalem and everywhere. They were the conquerors. But here, John makes an astonishing, you know, statement. Romans are not the conquerors, but we are. Those of us who are born of God, we are more than conquerors. Not talking about physical sense. Because of the fact that we are born again, we are born of God because we belong to Christ, we are more than conquerors. The real power was not in Rome. It is not in D.C. or Beijing or the Wall Street. The real power source comes from, within, uh, from who, who indwells us, the Holy Spirit, the God, because we are born of God. That's where the real power comes from. And by our faith, we are victorious. That's what, that's what John claims and says. What a statement. What a statement. That it is our faith that has overcome the world. Are you going through a difficult time? You have not thrown in the towel? Keep looking at Christ. Because your faith in Christ will enable you to overcome what this world throws at you. Scripture tells us 
you are an overcomer. Don't listen to what your mind is saying to you, or maybe the enemy is whispering in your head, you are a loser, you are nobody, you're not going to amount to anything good. You don't really love God. You're not going to really do much for God. Just listen to yourself and go with the pleasure. Do whatever you feel right. You do whatever you feel good, right? So you do you. That's what you may hear. But the truth of God's word says, you and I are overcomers. Our faith is the victory that Christ has secured for us. You are an overcomer. I am an overcomer. If we hold on to our faith, if we continue to behold him, Christ. That's a surprise. When we look to him, no matter what this world throws at us, no matter what this life throws at us, we can overcome. We are already an overcomers. We are more than conquerors when we have Christ with us. When we look to him and follow him as we continue to love him, the victory has been given to us. We are not working for the victory but we work with the victory. Do you understand? When Christ died for us on the cross, and when we put our trust in him, and when we become one with him, when we are united with him, now we are one with him. So we don't somehow try to just, there's a, it's a, it's a, it's an impossible task that is like a, a victory that's like, it's like a pipe dream. It's just so far away, unreachable. No, the victory has been given to us through Christ. Now, we work, we live with the victory. Of course, along the way, we're going to fall and stumble. We're going to give in to temptations. Yes, we are not perfect. But because the Holy Spirit indwells us, and the Word of God guides us and instructs us, we can move a step forward again, step of faith in the right direction. So this passage is a warning as well as an encouragement. The whole, because this whole passage is predicated on being born of God. You know, starting from verse 1, right? Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God, and everyone who loves the Father loves whoever has been born of him. Verse 4, for everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. Verse 5, who is, who is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? So this whole thing, this whole this verse five, five verses, the whole thing is predicated on the fact that we are being born, we are born, being born of God, believing that Jesus is the Christ and the Son of God. And this would be a warning to you if you do not, if you find yourself not obeying God, and therefore having a hard time loving the church. Or if you think that God's commandments are so burdensome and taxing, or if you think you still hold on to the to the fa- uh, to, uh, to this thinking that your Christian life is hopeless, I am defeated. Nothing good is going to ever come out of me. 
Maybe you are not born of God, as you may think, if you still hold on to that kind of thinking. Because Scripture makes it very clear, when you obey the Father, when you love the Father and obey His commandments, that's how we know that we love the people of God. And His commandments are not burdensome. And the thing that really, uh, uh, and the victory that has overcome the world is our faith. When we put our trust in him, even when things are going really rough and tough, still you hold on to the faith. You're still looking at Christ. So if you don't see yourself doing these things, or you don't hold on to this view, what the scripture teaches us, that maybe you are not born of God. It doesn't matter how long you've been to church. But this would be an encouragement to you if you desire to love the people of God as you love God and obey his commandments. Yes, once again, we're not talking about 100% absolute perfection. We're going to fall and we're going to stumble. I guarantee it. But you continue on in this journey. And if you consider them not really burdensome, understanding that what obedience we give when we, as we obey the Father willingly, right? That loving Father would be pleased with us with that understanding, right? And believe, no matter what, that we are an overcomer. The victory that has overcome the world is our faith. Our faith is a victory. We have overcome it. And we will continue to overcome until Christ comes back. When we have this understanding, then that is a sign that tells you that you are truly a born-again Christian, not how often you come to church. Not what kind of prayer you lift up. That doesn't tell you anything. But the signs are clear. Do you really love him? Do you obey him? Do you, instead of like complaining about the, the demands or the weight of his commandments, and say, I want to love him. Here's what I can offer you. Here's me, Lord. Take me and use me. And no matter what happens, I can overcome this. With the Holy Spirit in, uh, empowering me, I can do this. And you continue on in this journey. Those are very good signs and encouragement. It will be an encouragement to you that you belong to God. You are born of God. You belong to the family of God. And in the end, you will have that inheritance with Christ. So may that be, may, that, may this passage serve you as a warning or an encouragement. If it is a warning to you, maybe you should reconsider your, what you consider to be your faith. Are you truly, do, do you truly belong to God as you think you do? Or is that, well, I, 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 this is, I don't think of this, that maybe you are not. But these are the signs of who is truly born of God. May this be an encouragement to you. If it, yeah, I see it. Yeah, I stumble and fall. But I will not give up in this journey. I will not give up on Christ. I will not walk away from my faith. Continue on believing that Christ 
would lead me home one day. That would, this would be an encouragement to you. Let's pray.